We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, February the 8th, 2021. On today's show, folks, here we are yet again. It feels like deja vu. Another therapy Monday as we try to break down and dissect the Gamecocks 75-59 to 59 loss to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Also, news and notes to get into your listener questions. And we have a fantastic interview. Great conversation. Former Gamecock strength coach Joe Connolly. If you remember, Joe Connolly was the strength coach during the back-to-back-to-back 11-win seasons in 2011 and 2013. Was also on staff in 2009 and 2010. We have a great conversation with him. Tons of great memories. Reliving everything from the glory days of South Carolina football. Guys, got a packed show here on Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and guys, everyone on the crew is invested in your success. So they have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management and moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group, or of course, go to their website if you have any further questions, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Come to talk with you again. 
Because Gamecock basketball is inconsistent. And we don't know which team will show up. Game in and game out. Um, <laughs> Yo, what is up, guys? Uh, Chris Phillips, shows the Spurs Up show is always here on this Monday. Appreciate you all tuning in, guys. Got a packed show. Got a lot to get into. Really, really good show. Great podcast upcoming. Great conversation. Our interview with Joe Connolly. Really, really good stuff. And again, I'm excited to be chatting with you guys here on a Monday. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Hope you all enjoyed the Super Bowl, by the way. As you probably can tell, I'm recording this before the Super Bowl on Sunday. So I do not know the final results yet. But again, I appreciate you guys all tuning in. I'm sure a lot of you are hungover today, by the way, because I remember when I used to work in the corporate world, we used to say that the worst day of the year or one of the worst days was the Monday after the Super Bowl because everybody has Super Bowl parties. Everybody's hungover. Everybody's dying. You know what I mean? So if you're hungover, drink some water, take a little Advil, maybe drink some Pedialyte, do whatever you got to do. If you called out sick, quote unquote, if you called out sick today, Hey, more power to you. Or maybe if you're like me when I lived in Charlotte, I put in PTO for the Super Bowl, like, bro, like three months in advance because that was the year. So I moved to Charlotte in fall of 2015. That was the year the Panthers went 15-1. and And so we're we're like midway through the season. I'm like, you know what? There's a chance they go. Let me go ahead and slide this PTO in here on a Monday. And sure enough, they did go. And that party was flat-out madness. I mean, I, I was... We got, we got crazy. We got crazy. That's all you got to know. So, again, appreciate you all tuning in here on a Monday, guys. Again, hope you all enjoyed your weekend. A couple of housekeeping items, a couple of updates before we really get going and dive into the show. Uh, first things first, an updated week schedule. So, believe it or not, guys, I'm going to Universal Studios and going to Florida yet again. So, the first time when I went with my family in January, my sister and her boyfriend were supposed to go. They could not go. Um, so they said, okay, we're going to go in February now. Do y'all want to go when we go? And we've already got season passes. So we're just going to go again. So we're going again. Um, I will be leaving Thursday morning, uh, staying exact same schedule we did too before, which is kind of weird, but Thursday to Monday, I'll be in Florida. So no daily crow on Thursday or Friday podcast will drop as normal Monday through Friday, but no daily crow Thursday and Friday guys. Again, I will be in Florida. Also no daily crow on Monday because I'll be coming back that day. So again, just want to keep you guys updated, but everything else will go on as normal. We'll cover the basketball game on Saturday. We'll have the podcast again, a lot of good stuff coming, but just no daily crow Thursday, Friday, and Monday. Um, Also want to update you guys. We had a major merch drop. On Friday, baseball merch, our tradition T-shirts and hoodies, our The Road to Omaha runs through Columbia T-shirts and hoodies, uh, re-releasing the Kiss the Rings T-shirt, the Win Anyways T-shirt, the Hail to the King T-shirt. A lot of great stuff. A lot of great baseball merch. Great merchandise for any Gamecock fan, but especially Gamecocks baseball fans. You guys are going to love it. TSUS.store. That's TSUS.store is the site to go to. Again, a ton of new merch dropping. Again, we've we've got other stuff in the works too. We've got other stuff in the works, guys. So again, you guys stay tuned for that. Okay, let's go ahead and get it. I, mean, I, I feel like we could literally copy paste the podcast from last Monday. That, that, that's the crazy part. It, it, this, this feels such like deja vu. Like, here we go again. Like, we, we all saw this coming, right? We all kind of expected this. And sure enough, we sit here on a Monday, yet again, a therapy Monday, after a a massively disappointing South Carolina basketball performance. Gamecocks falling to Mississippi State 75-59, to a 16-point loss at home. In a game, by the way, guys, you were favored by two points to win. You were favored by two to win the game. 
had him at home coming off the Florida win. We all know the situation. We all know the scenario. And you fall by 16 points. Just going through the stats first. <laughs> Let's start there. Because I don't even really know where to begin. Going through the stats, you, you got outshot. Flat out got outshot. You, you really got beat in every phase. Uh, you really did. Mississippi State shot 46% from the field. You shot 31%. They shot 52% from three. You shot 20%. Heck, they shot 72% from free throw. You shot 69. They had 46 rebounds. You had 30. Um, the only thing you beat them in was, you know, you forced more turnovers. Mississippi State had 21 turnovers. You had 14. Um, you know, you had more steals. They had six blocks. You had five. They had 14 assists. You had 11. Again, guys, I don't really even know where to start or where I'm, I've truly never seen anything like this in my life. A, a team that is just, you know, again, I, I told you guys last week, we use the phrase Jekyll and Hyde in sports to, 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 to reference a team that is inconsistent, right? That can be great one night and terrible the next. But I just, I don't think I've ever seen a team in a season be so hot and cold and back and forth like from game to game, it's just, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. It's almost making us feel like, you know, we'll just go ahead and bank on South Carolina beating Alabama tomorrow because that's what it makes you think. Like we're just that inconsistent. Um, again, you shot 31% from the field. Um, I think Mississippi State shot something like 57% in the second half. You know, you were already down 36 to 30 at halftime. Uh, they outscore you by 10 in the second half, 39 to 29. And again, which equates in a 75 to 59 loss. And you just flat out got outshot. I mean, I, I don't know what else there really is to say. You know, I thought early on, I, you know, I felt pretty good about the game early on. You know, back and forth, close game. I kind of expected a hard-fought close game to the end. But I will say this, and I, I really didn't see this on social media, which is a positive, that this game, like we said going into it, was not on COVID. There's no COVID excuse in this. You just got flat out whipped. You you got flat out whipped in every facet of the game. Now the question comes back to this: Who's responsible? You, you know, is it guys just simply just could not hit shots? I mean, it's just, it's just the thing with it is this, guys. Again, um, it's so disappointing because listen, I, I know college basketball is weird this year. I, I understand that it's it's weird. You you don't have necessarily the home court advantage, quote unquote. Um, you know, you don't have crowds really, but to lose the way you lost on your home floor, on your home floor, man, you can't protect your house any better than that. And hey, by the way, I forgot to mention, I finally got a prediction right. I picked Mississippi State to win and they won. My jinx did not work. I really thought my jinx was going to work again and it did not. Hell, the score was actually kind of close to what I predicted in a way. I had 74 to 66 and it was 75 to 59. So, I mean, I was actually kind of close. But, you know, the, the conversation shifts back to Frank Martin, unfortunately. Because here's the thing. I, I, how much can you really dissect from on the court? I mean, was the game plan bad? I don't, I don't think the game plan was bad. You just simply did not hit shots. You simply did not hit shots. I mean, you go down South Carolina's, you know, leading scores. A.J. Lawson and Keyshawn Bryant tied with, for the lead with 13 points? You only had one other scorer with double-digit points, and that was seventh Woods? I mean, Jermaine Kuznar got, had, guys had four points. What has happened to Jermaine Kuznar? What in the world? Like, who is this imposter that is wearing Jermaine Kuznar's jersey? Who is it? 
What happened to the Jermaine Kuznar we all saw and loved last year, who really picked up the slack when A.J. Lawson was struggling? I mean, it's, it's, it's baffling, guys. It's just, it's beyond comprehension. Again, I don't think Mississippi State was, were world beaters by any means. Again, they, they, I mean, I will say this, you know, we talked about the guards being a huge matchup in this game. We, we talked about the, that being a major point of emphasis, the guard play. And you just got flat out beat. You just got flat out beat. I mean, you, you take a look at the Mississippi State guards, and we're talking about Molinar and uh, DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart, 29 points. Molinar was 16 points. But again, unfortunately now the conversation, and again, it's just so funny with this team. It's so hot and cold. You know, after you're feeling good. You beat Florida. You know, you get the upset. You're going in the game in the weekend. Like, oh, man, we're favored. We're at home. Big opportunity. And again, we all kind of saw this coming, did we not? Like, well, we did. We all saw it coming. But now the conversation shifts back to Frank Martin. And again, I, I have to preface yet again, I am not saying fire Frank Martin, and I am not a fire Frank Martin guy. I am not. But I chimed in on social media on Saturday with some comments. And I guess my biggest thing was this. Listen, this season's a wash. Let's call it what it is. This season's a wash. South Carolina is not going to and should not make a move on Frank Martin this year. I, I don't think that's the solution. I don't, you know, with the, with the madness of this year, him having, you know, COVID twice. And again, the COVID excuse has ran its course. You, you can't say South Carolina got their asses kicked by Mississippi State because of COVID. You, you just can't. You, you just flat out can't. You just got beat. You, you just got beat straight up. Hey, if you go beat if you go beat Alabama tomorrow, nobody's going to say oh, it's because of COVID. It's just because you beat them. But you just got flat out beat. Okay. But so I, I don't think making that move. You know, I've I've seen some fans saying fire Frank. Well, you know, I don't think making that move. This year is the right move. But what I said on social media was this. Assuming Frank Martin comes back next year, which I don't know why he wouldn't. Obviously, some people speculated on his health, and I, I really don't want to do that because I don't know anything about his situation. I mean, we all know he, he's got the alopecia stuff and his hair and shaved his eyebrows. He looks weird. We all know that. But let's just assume he comes back. My point simply was this, and, and people, of course, of course, got up in arms over it. If you miss the tournament next year, okay, 10th year of Frank, if you miss the tournament next year, I mean, at that point, it's going to be time to fire him, right? Or, or, or to, to have him go take another job or retire. Like, something's going to have to change. Like, correct, am I crazy for saying that? Am I crazy for saying that? Because, again, I've told you guys this before, what baffles me and I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. Why people are so... And I like Frank, dude. I think Frank... Like, listen, the thing with Muschamp, when I was firing Muschamp, I did not think it then, and I still don't think Will Muschamp's a very good head football coach. Knows the game of football. Knows he shit out more football than I'll ever know. But he was a proven bad head coach. Didn't succeed, didn't succeed at Florida, didn't succeed to South Carolina. Bottom line. I like Frank. I think he is a really good basketball coach. But if you don't make the tournament next year in year 10, and you've made the tournament one year out of 10, 
things are not going well. Like something is not working. And, and a change most likely, I think at that point would need to be made. But to see the reaction, like I just, guys, I do not understand. And if you're one of the people listening, DM me, tweet me. Help me understand, why are people so sensitive? Why is Frank Martin above any criticism? Any. I know it's the COVID year. I know he had COVID twice. I get it. I totally get it. I have empathy for that. Does he still have COVID, though? Are we supposed to can't? Like I said before, if he really feels that poorly, somebody needs to sit down with him and say, Coach, I really admire your work ethic and your commitment and, and, and you want to do right by your players and the university, but bro, sit this one out, sit this one out. Because if you're going to coach and you're going to go play, we don't want to hear the excuses. Again, he's had COVID twice. I totally get it. And again, like I said, I think this season's a wash, but I think it's more of, it comes from a place of more of like, it is year nine. And we're seeing year one type of problems. You know, you saw the narrative on social media Saturday. Well, it wasn't Frank Martin out there missing the shots. By that logic, no coach would ever lose their job. Ever. Ever. It's the most absurd, ridiculous logic I've ever heard. I understand a coach gets way too much of the blame and way too much of the credit. I, I definitely get that. But, again, I don't, like, why is Frank Martin above criticism? And, and you know what really irks me, guys? And, and I think Chad Holbrook kind of hit on this in our conversation. By the way, if you, if you listen really closely, when Coach Holbrook was reflecting on his time at South Carolina and said, you know, we averaged over 40 wins a season. And he made the point that, you know, if you equate that to football terms, that's like winning nine, nine and a half games a year. That's pretty damn good. And what I think Chad Holbrook was trying to say is this, guys. And again, as a baseball dude, this irks me. There are people who wanted Mark Kingston fired last season. He's going into year four this year, guys. The, the expectations for baseball, and listen, I know it's different because they won back-to-back -back national titles. The program has history, tradition. I'm not debating any of that. But year after year, baseball has these ridiculous, at times, expectations. Fans wanted the coaches fired. You know, people, when people said fire Kingston last year, nobody batted an eye. Nobody. Nobody cared. But we can't even be slightly critical of Frank in year nine. All I simply did on Twitter was pose the question. And I got people coming at me saying, Chris, you know, don't be the, you're the, you're the fire every coach guy. You want every coach fired. Well, you're the fire guy. Bro, I have called for one coach's head at South Carolina. And it was Will Muschamp, and he's a shit bum. Was I wrong? I called for one coach. I understand, for better or worse, that a lot of you listening may have discovered me because of the Fire Muschamp video. Hey, I get it. Hey, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I don't take, you know, I don't regret that at all. That was a great moment for my business. Really was. That was a fantastic moment for my business. Huge moment. You know, I've said before it was exhausting to be the fire must champ guy, but I would never change what happened because that was a huge moment for the business. I mean, it just blew up and, and you know, whatever. The rest is history. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I, I, have, I have gone out of my way to say on more than one occasion, 
I'm not saying fire Frank Martin. I'm not saying fire Frank Martin. I'm not a fire Frank Martin guy. I'm not leading the fire Frank Martin charge. And it's obvious that a lot of those people on Twitter, they don't listen to the podcast because if they listened, they already know that. And I wouldn't have to repeat myself over and over and over and over and over again. But I, I will just never understand why Frank Martin is above any type of criticism. I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. Same as Muschamp, he gets paid millions of dollars to coach his respective sport. Millions to coach basketball. Okay, he he's not he he's not a surgeon. Okay, he he's not a he's not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. He coaches basketball. That's what he does. Coaches basketball and gets paid millions of dollars. If fans want to raise an eyebrow at the status of their program, I don't think they should be demonized for that. I don't think people should be berated for that. You know, I think this is the bigger issue. Because I think what it shows, honestly, and again, like I said, season's a, season's a wash. Not saying fire Frank Martin this year. Absolutely not. I think that'd be the wrong move. Season's a wash. If you miss the tournament next year, then we can start to have those conversations. But... I think from the from from the attitude that I see from a lot of fans, it really just goes to show you how little people think of our basketball program. I, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that I mean, listen, every argument I've ever seen, that there's no argument. Argue to me how the direction of the program in the future is bright. Argue that to me. Stop referencing what happened four years ago. Stop referencing how bad we were pre-Martin as to why we should be satisfied with these results that we are getting now. And again, listen, like I said, it's a COVID season, but damn it, if you're going to keep saying that, just don't play the rest of the games. You lost Saturday, you got your ass kicked. It wasn't because of COVID, bottom line. You're just, an, you're just an inconsistent basketball team. COVID or not, you're inconsistent as hell. And you've been inconsistent through basically the entire Martin tenure. That, that, that's, hey, <laughs> Suffocating defense and inconsistency. That's that's Frank Martin's brand. It just is. That's his brand at South Carolina and one Final Four. But, you know, I think it goes to show, like, how little people think of South Carolina basketball. Fans. That they don't think that South Carolina deserves any better. I mean, there's a lot of people, like, I think there's a lot of people that just think we're supposed to suck. Like, dude. And this is a this is a a poison that is in the entire university and the athletics department. This, this thought process of, well, we've been bad for a really, really, really long time. So we should just be grateful if we get any type of slightly above average success. We should not strive to be the best. We should not strive to win titles. We, not, we should not strive to make the tournament every year. You know, let, let's just be thankful we're not where we were. Let's just be thankful that we're we're decent. Guys, let me equate it to this. Every golfer on the PGA Tour, at one point in their life, hey, listen, every expert was once a beginner, right? That, that, that's a little slogan for you. That's, that's something I've seen before, like motivational posters and stuff. Every expert was once a beginner. I equate it to this. Every golfer on the PGA Tour, at one point in their life, they had never shot in the 60s, right? They had never shot in the 60s in their life. So they practice, they practice, they practice. At some point, they raise the bar. They raise the level of expectations. 
even though they had never done it before, it was uncharted territory, but they didn't let that stop them. And so what I'm trying to get to is this, because people say, oh, you know, they, they give you all the excuses of why South Carolina basketball shouldn't be this or can't do that. Or guys, at some point you like tradition has to start somewhere. You know, if we want to be a great basketball school, I think we can do it. I'm not saying that we're going to make the tournament every year. We're going to be Kentucky or Kansas or Duke. Let's keep it realistic. But tradition starts somewhere. Like, if we want to become a basketball school, the, the bar has to get raised from within. It has to get raised internally. South Carolina baseball was not always looked at as a college baseball powerhouse. Ray Tanner got to South Carolina. Again, I, I know there were good teams before Tanner, but that, that to me is like that era really solidified it. But Ray Tanner got to Columbia and raised the bar. He did. He raised the standard. He raised the expectation. Now, that's why you see fans with these crazy, unrealistic expectations. And hey, I love it. I think expectations are a great thing. I really do. I think having pressure is awesome. Pressure makes diamonds. Look at Alabama football. They're expected to win every game. But guess what? They have that pressure, and they do. And they do, because that's the expectation. Winning national titles is the expectation in Tuscaloosa, right? But again, getting back to, I, I like Frank a lot. I'm not saying fire Frank Martin. For the love of God, I'm not saying fire Frank Martin. What I am saying is keep the energy consistent across all the sports. Keep the energy consistent. Why does Frank Martin just get this free pass? And some of you feel so bad, like, oh, my God, he's had COVID. We can't say anything. I'm not, like, attacking him personally. I'm just saying, like, if things go south next year. Because, again, if I had to guess, I feel like the biggest issue with Frank Martin and Carolina basketball is this. It's already hard to recruit to South Carolina basketball-wise. You're surrounded by Blue Bloods. You don't have great tradition. We get that. We understand the challenges. But Frank, see, Frank has a different issue, in my opinion, than Muschamp had. Muschamp, just not a good head football coach. Not a good head coach. Knows the game, not a good head coach. Frank Martin is a good head coach. Knows the game of basketball. I mean, his, his reputation speaks for itself. But do kids want to play for Frank Martin anymore? Like, like, does his style work? Does his style still work? I think that's the biggest question. Because, I mean, what would you guys argue is the problem? Probably getting better players for one, right? And again, I know you've missed out on a lot of in-state talent, a lot of in-state prospects. Again, it's already hard enough to recruit to South Carolina, and then you have a coach that is a, a tyrant at times, like really tough to play for at times. You're going to shrink the recruiting pool even more. I don't know. That, that's just, again, that's me thinking out loud as to what could be going wrong. But the fact of the matter is this. People love Frank Martin. They're endeared to him because of what happened in 2017. But guys, it really does just come down to wins and losses. We know he's had a great impact on his players. We know the Final Four happened. But you're just getting paid too much money not to factor in the wins and the losses. You, you just are. And so again, I don't think Frank Martin should go anywhere this season. I think firing him in the midst of the pandemic and him having COVID, and I'm not trying to use it as an, as an excuse. I don't think the timing lines up, though. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that would be the, the end-all, be-all solution to what's going on. But my point, again, on social media was just, if he comes back next year, 
and you miss the tournament yet again. I mean, that's not me being the fire the coach guy. That's me being the, hey, I want to win guy. South Carolina fans are not asking for a lot. And again, the problem, the bigger problem is this. It's not that you're losing. Fans aren't caring anymore. Fans are starting to not care. I mean, you, you I, from the people that I interact with and I see it on social media, and heck, I see it in the numbers for my business, for the podcast. I mean, they haven't dropped a ton, but I mean, they, they, they're not as high as they'd probably be if we were winning. Because again, basketball and even baseball at times, those are just sports. It's not like football where fans are just going to show up and tune in no matter what. That's just not the way it works. You have got to put a product out there. You have to. You got to put a product on the floor. And if you don't, if you don't, and especially the way this season's going, apathy sets in. And I just think we're at that point. I think we're at that point in the program. Again, this this season's a wash, whatever. Fine, fine. I've, I've just come to accept this season's a wash. But my point again on social media was, dude, I mean, if he comes back next year, which I think he will, I think he should, and you miss the postseason yet again, and you've gone one time in 10 years. And I mean, I'm sure there will be people freaking out then too about if I say fire Frank Martin. or you know, Because I think a lot of people, they expect me to be that guy because the must champ stuff, right? They expect me to be that guy. And it's just like, I'm not going to be that guy. Like I said, I'm not there yet for one. And number two, the fire must champ thing was exhausting. I mean, as, as, as funny as it was at times and as whatever. And I, I'm listen, I'm just going to call it like I see it. You guys know that. But, you know, I, I, I would prefer, I don't want to be known as the fire coach guy. But it just so happens, our basketball coach, things are coming up short right now in the program. And I don't know why. I don't know why. So, again, I guess that's our daily rant of the week on USC basketball and Frank Martin. And, again, you lose 75 to 59. Now you have Alabama coming to town tomorrow who just lost their first conference game of the season Saturday, which I think was probably the worst thing that could have happened to Carolina because now Bama, you know, they're going to come in fired up. They're going to be motivated. Oh, we can't lose back-to-back. It would have been much better, I think, if they'd have beat Missouri. So, I don't know, dude. I You know, it, it's – I know we're all beyond frustrated. We're all just beyond frustrated because it's 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 agonizing to watch this team play. There's no other way to put it. It's just flat out agonizing. But what do you do? You know, where where do you go from here? I, I really don't know. Hope to rebound and you know, again, with this team, Jekyll and Hyde, with this team and the ups and downs, hell, I, I'm I I expect them to beat Alabama at this point. I mean, really. <laughs> None, none, of, none of it makes sense. So, hey, that would just be the, the latest bit in the saga of Gamecocks basketball. I don't know. All right, let's move off it. Quick note, guys. A.J. Lawson hitting 1,000 points on Saturday. Golf clap. Kudos to A.J. Lawson. Um, Big-time performance. Again, I, I know he did not have a great game Saturday, but he, he has been a good player for South Carolina. And uh, awesome to see. Awesome to see. A.J. Lawson hitting 1,000 points. Just one listener question, guys. I apologize. I got the listener uh, the uh, or the question box up late. 
So I do apologize. We have just one question, and it comes from Krusty Andy. Krusty Andy always coming up in the clutch with these questions. He says, why aren't you covering USC men's ping pong? It's better than our men's basketball team. Krusty, send me the, send me the ping pong schedule. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll get on that, my guy. I, I appreciate the question. Um, all right, good stuff. Guys, we got a great interview, by the way, upcoming. Don't go anywhere. Former Gamecock strength coach Joe Connolly. And again, if you don't remember that name, he got to South Carolina in 2009, was a part of the 2010 SEC East champion team, was a part of the three straight 11-win seasons. Awesome combo. We really just sit back and relive some of the best moments in Gamecock football history and you know, talk a lot about him, what he's doing now. He's with Arizona State now, working with them. So a really, really, really great conversation, guys. Again, thank you so much for tuning in here on a Monday. Hope you all guys all have a fantastic day. Like I said, updated schedule. No Daily Crow Thursday and Friday, but podcast will roll on as normal this week. We're wrapping up also the uh, the position unit previews for baseball. We will do catchers tomorrow and then outfielders on Friday, I think. Yeah, Friday. Uh, well, let's see. Maybe Thursday. I don't know. I'll figure that out, but later in the week. Um, so we'll do catchers and outfield. And then actually next week, you know, will be the week of opening day. And I'm not sure if it's going to be Monday or Tuesday, but I'll have my full season preview show for Gamecocks baseball, talking predictions, talking, you know, projected starting lineups, projected pitching rotation, projected bullpen, everything. So that'll be big. And then, of course, we'll go into opening weekend. But again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday. And again, don't go anywhere. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecock strength coach Joe Connolly. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that was the Gamecock strength coach from 2009 to 2015. Guys, during his career at South Carolina, he helped coach 30 NFL draft picks, including Jadavion Clowney, who was the number one overall draft pick in the 2014 NFL draft. Of course, he was part of the 2010 SEC East champion staff, the three straight 11 win seasons in 2011 to 2013, and is currently serving as the head strength coach at Arizona State. Very pleased to be joined by former Gamecock strength coach, Joe Connolly. Coach, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Chris. No, I appreciate it, man. And uh, um, it's uh, it's an honor to be on the show for sure. Absolutely. So, obviously, you had a little bit of a career before you got to South Carolina, a little bit of experience. Talk about how it came to be that you you came to Columbia, because I was taking a look at your past experience. What was the connection there? How did you get in touch with Coach Spurrier? And just how did that come about, again, that your path led you to Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah, so um, it, it, it came through uh, famed South Carolina strength coach Craig Fitzgerald. So I worked with Fitz um, at Harvard uh, in the mid-2000s, and then I left and went to University of Louisville uh, as an assistant strength coach for football for a few years. Fitz was the head strength and conditioning coach from 2009 to 2011, Okay. And when he got hired in 2009, I, I came on board as his first assistant. Uh, when he left for Penn State, I took over in 2011 uh, for the remainder of that t- time through 2015. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, uh, it was an honor to be part of that, that staff and, 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 and that time. Um, you know, everybody always talks about the history you know, that we, that we, that we made and, and um, it, it was, it was an awesome time. It was an awesome time. Yeah. I want to talk about fits really quickly. Cause like I said, again, it, it's, it's funny. This, the strength coach is definitely like a, a known commodity amongst, amongst fans. I mean, especially the diehards, right? I mean, we think of South Carolina with Shane Beamer, just, just hiring his staff and everything like that. And 
um, that that was a process and whatever. But you know, Fitz was definitely a guy like you said, like very very well known. Um, just just talk about what you learned from him, your experiences, kind of learning the ropes, and then getting you prepared to take over in that moment again, like you said, when he departed in 2011. Yeah, no, I, I think wherever you are and whoever you work for, you got to take, you know, you got to take what they're best at and try to model yourself maybe after that, if you can. And, and what Fitz was, was exceptional at was he was an exceptional motivator. Um, he was very detail oriented and he's a guy that would come in and he would, he would kind of, he would clean up a program and, and we were, we were part of that staff, myself and the other assistants. And, and we saw it firsthand. We helped with it firsthand in, in, in 2009 and 2010 and 2011, you know, there was some battles to, to clean up some personalities and some things. And, you know, you might not be able to get away with that anymore. Uh, some of the things we did, which was, which was fine, but um, it got the job done. And, and, you know, that's that's sometimes you got to do that to to change a culture of a place yeah I was gonna say you got to South Carolina coach at a really interesting time because Steve Spurrier was kind of just starting to get that thing going you know he had the great recruiting class in 2007 that had guys like Steven Garcia Pat DeMarco I think Melvin Ingram amongst a host of others on that but again you get there I think what was it January 2009 right so coming off that 08 season um I got to ask you again, like you said, you guys started to change the culture. You really saw that in 2009, again, the big win, the end of the season against Clemson. But I want to ask you specifically, because it's funny, I was looking at, you know, that they have your bowl game experience listed. The 2009 Papa John's Bowl. Were you questioning your decision to come to Carolina after that game? Because the players that I've talked to are like, bro, that's probably like one of the most miserable days of my life. <laughs> so, Listen, I'm a, I'm a, at the time I'm a young strength coach, you know, and, and and I'm from Massachusetts originally. Gotcha. So cold weather wasn't, you know, something I was worried about, but I was wearing a a pole, an Under Armour polo shirt Mm. only. Yeah. And, and Under Armour khakis. And I had at halftime taken the, 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 the hot packets and I stuffed them down my shirt all around my waist because I mean, it was, it was 20 degrees in, uh, in, uh, Alabama. And, and I remember like Alshon Jeffrey had, had, had heat, heat packs in his gloves. I mean, our guys, they were, they were freezing, but, um, you know, the, the, the 2008 Outback Bowl mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why, why, why we got hired, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the, one of the things that I still, I still care, care a lot about was, you know, our bull success we had at South Carolina in that time, you know, that, that's something that uh, we were really proud of. Cause that was, that was a challenge we had in the beginning was, okay, we have to make all these, these bulls matter. We have to, we have to make sure we're prepared for this. And, and um, we were able to do that, you know, in the, in the seven years. So that was awesome. Coach, what do you think the characteristics are of a great strength coach? I know that's kind of a, a, a basic question, if you will, but obviously, again, South Carolina fans have been – we all know people say it's the most important hire a head coach will make because you guys are with the players every single day, day in, day out. You guys are with them more than the position coaches, the head coaches, the coordinators, everybody. Like, what do you think the characteristics are of a great strength coach? 
Yeah, I, I everybody always says that, right? It's the most important hire. And and, and as a strength coach, I, I tend to agree because, you know, I think you have to be able to, you know, I've said this before, you have to be able to wear a lot of different hats. Um, you have to be the the hammer. You have to be the disciplinarian. You got to be the, the guy that instills fear, but you also got to be a friend. You got to be a shoulder to cry on, the psychiatrist, the the big brother. We have You have to kind of be everything and the motivator. Um, and I think that most importantly, like if there's one trait that a strength coach needs to have, he's got to be able, he's got to be able to build a relationship and he's got to be able to do it relatively quickly, but he's also got to be consistent with it for a long period of time. So um, being able to build a relationship and understand that it is about the relationship first regardless of what happens on the field. You know, I have, I have great relationships with guys from the seven years I had at South Carolina. You know, I talked to Pat DeMarco yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we, we talk all the time. I talk to all those guys as often as I can. And it's because while I was there and still to this day, I truly cared about them as men more than sometimes anything else. I was going to say, would you argue that's more important than the? Because again, I think when fans think of strength coaches, they think, okay, I mean, you're just telling them to lift weights. But it sounds like what you're saying, like the relationships and the motivation side of things. And, ta- you know, I heard Luke Day talking about this, you know, tapping into a kid's bringing out more out of a kid than he thought was possible, I guess you could say. That, that's a rough way of saying, but paraphrasing what he said, bringing more out of a kid. Um, it sounds like that yeah, love, is the more love, important. Yeah. 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 I think, I think so. I, I don't think it's more important than a lot of the other things we do, but it has to be present. It has to be there. You know, I like a lot of what coach day has been saying. I, you know, obviously I, I keep up with everything on social media as much as I can, but um, his philosophies, they align, they align really, really closely with, with my philosophies. And um, the one thing I will say is I don't think that, um, that there's nothing wrong with being really good at everything as a strength coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I mean by that is a lot of times people were like, Oh, he's a, he's a motivator. He's a yeller, right? He, he, he's really good at that. Or he's a science guy. He's really good at programming and, and, and GPS and sports science. What, what's wrong with being really good at all that? Right. It's a serious question because I, I hear it all the time in, in all these changing jobs and, and everybody's shuffling around and you know there's the flow to science versus you know hard ass to whatever and what's wrong with being both what's wrong with being good at everything I, I just mm-hmm. that's one of the things I always tell my assistants and my interns is mm-hmm. you should be good at everything that's your yeah. job you know yeah be well-rounded for sure I kind of on a lighter note coach I want to get your take on this because again it, it's so funny with like the strength coach thing it, it's one of those things that again I feel like the common fan nobody really knows what they do or like the day in day out but it's so funny because I, I've seen some fans before and not just in this for South Carolina or like you know this year with Shane Beamer hiring his staff but other situations like fans love to judge strength coaches like on how jacked they are like how stupid is that <laughs> it's just I feel like that's so dumb <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, like, I, I think that that's all well and good. And to be – honestly, to be a good strength coach, I think for you as a strength coach, lifting weights in some capacity, I think, is just like watching film. 
for a position. Setting the example a little bit. You're practicing what you preach. You can feel it. And that helps your programming, right? Right. It helps guide some of the things you do. But if if a strength coach needed to deadlift 800 pounds, (laughs) then they should just go hire all the world's strongest men to be strength coaches and everybody would be fine. It's there's so much more to it than that, Mm. you know? And and I just, it's, uh, it's one of those fancy, you know, Twitter things that everybody likes, but in reality, there's so much more to it than that. No, definitely. I, I equate it to like being a uh, a swing coach in golf. You know, some sometimes the best players aren't the best teachers and vice versa. So it is what it is for sure. But anyways, back to the field. I, I'm curious. I, I've had quarterbacks, receivers, offensive linemen, defense guys, everything you can think of and ask them about Coach Spurrier. I'm curious, what's the relationship like between a strength coach and Coach Spurrier? Because he's hard on everybody. I'm sure he didn't take it easy on you guys either. No, and, and, and he was um, he was awesome with us and you know, when I, when I took over, he was great, uh, for that four year period. Um, and even before that, he, he's a fun guy. He let us do our job, you know, and, and that, and that's, you know, that's not easy for a a head coach to do. You see, you know, now a lot of younger head coaches that are very involved with the strength program, Mm -hmm. see some older coaches that are too, you know, I know, uh, some coaches in the sec that, that are very much involved you know, to the point where they hand the program to the strength coach and say, this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Coach Burrier let us do our job. He trusted us, and uh, he was fantastic. But, uh, I mean, as you know, man, it's uh, you're never too far away from one of those jabs, one of those zingers. It's – they're always – every time he would get me, I didn't even – sometimes I didn't even feel it. I didn't even realize it. And I would go back to my office and sit down and be like, oh – he just got me like, I didn't even realize like what he was saying. And then he started thinking about it and you know, he, he was great though. He, my first, so here's a, here's a story for you. My first day at South Carolina was like a Saturday or a Sunday. And so I went in the weight room. There was nobody else there. I was getting my office all squared away. The weight room was dark, the old weight room. And I'm looking down and I see somebody down the end of the dumbbells. He's got no shirt on got a bandana on, he's doing curls in the mirror on a Sunday. And I go down there and it's Coach Spurrier. And I'm like, what What more could you ask for? Just just that first impression. I'm like, this guy's awesome. I I, I can't believe this. This is fantastic. So yeah. He, he, he loved to stay. He, he Like you were saying, he, he set the example. He stayed in shape for sure. I remember they like documented it or whatever. Um, no, it's awesome. But so you guys, again, go in 2010, your second year there, go to the SEC championship. Um, Again, you talked about you got there and you were changing the culture. And, again, guys like Steven Garcia, just off the top of my head, that was one of those guys, big-time guys. DJ Swearinger, Stephon Gilmore, Alshons. And we can go on and on with the names. But I'm just curious to get your take again, that run to the SEC championship. And then you find yourself in Atlanta. You get to walk into the Georgia Dome at the time. It's the Georgia Dome. Just that overall experience, man, getting to getting to experience that. that. And, again, I feel like fans felt it. You guys certainly felt it. That, that was the start of something really, really special in Columbia. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and and if it wasn't for Cam Newton, who knows what would have happened, yeah. right? I mean, he was turning Superman. One of the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was arguably yeah. one of the best college football players to ever, ever. play. Yeah. And you know, we played him twice that year, and that that was that that was a, those were two tough games for us. Mm. Uh, but you know, yeah, the the 
It was the players. It was the players that put the work in, that, that understood the mindset, that understood the mentality they needed to have, that relentless pursuit um, of, of just perfection and holding each other accountable and, and understanding that, you know, the best teams aren't, aren't coach-led teams, they're player-led teams. And, and, and those young guys, those, those original guys taught the next line of guys, that taught the next line of guys um, up until kind of the end there. I'm kind of curious, Coach, were there any players, because, again, we think of, like you said, it was the players. I mean, you think of some of the legends that came through during that time. But were there any guys specifically that you remember? Because, again, like you said, your role as a strength coach is to kind of push a kid to the next level and get more out of him than he thought. He, was there any guys that maybe fans would know of during that time at South Carolina that maybe when they got there were, you know, they were they were a big-time player or they thought they were a big-time player, but you guys were able to – you know, whether it be through the strength program, because I think, again, that's where it all starts. You guys were able to push them sort of that next level and, again, bring even more out of them than maybe they thought they had. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, I mean, here, I'll give you, I'll give you a top-end example. You know, when, when Jadavian Clowney got there, I think he was 245 pounds. Mm-hmm. And when he left three years later, he was 276 pounds. Mm-hmm. When he was 245, he ran a 446 40 and had a 41 inch vertical. And when he was 276, he ran a 446 40 and had a 41 inch vertical. Um, so there's there's some improvement uh, to an already freakish athlete. Um, Melvin Ingram was another one that, you know, he actually lost some weight uh, and, and improved his his endurance and conditioning over the course of his career. I mean. There's so many Cliff Matthews, Devin Taylor putting on weight, um, you know, even even Marcus and, and Brandon Wilds and Mike Davis, all those guys, Connor, um, Alshon was a guy that was always, you know, kind of up and down. You kind of had to keep your thumb on with the body weight and and, and it, it's it, every athlete, in my opinion, needs something different. So if you get a guy that needs to lose fat to improve their endurance or you need somebody that needs to gain muscle or uh, just, you know, understand how to push themselves. There's, there's a thousand different things that you can look at that would show improvement. That's the hard part about our job is that it's not just sets and reps. It's not just clean squat and bench. It's not just the, the measurables. There's, there's so many other ways to show improvement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm not trying to, pat myself on the back but I think during our career there are a lot of a lot of guys showed a lot of improvement in a lot of ways mm-hmm. you know and the proof was kind of in the pudding yeah like you said the proof was in the pudding and I wanted to get to that because again 2011 to 2013 obviously the three straight 11 win seasons the bowl wins again we, we could spend hours just breaking down games from those seasons but the thing that that stood out to me because again I, I think the the strength coach is almost kind of like an offensive lineman in the sense that when you guys are doing your jobs and the team is well-conditioned, like you don't hear about it as much, but when a team's not well-conditioned and they're getting beat in the fourth quarter and you're seeing hands on hips, it becomes it becomes a sore spot. It becomes very obvious, right? Like I said, it's literally why you got a job after that Iowa game because I remember that Outback Bowl, Iowa just shoved South Carolina around. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. But the thing that stands out to me from those teams, again, that you were on and when you took over as head strength coach in 2011 was I just think um, – you know, 
those South Carolina teams in the second half, so in the fourth quarter, and I think like 2011 Tennessee in the second half, wearing them down. The Nebraska game, wearing them down in the bowl game. 2012, wearing down Georgia. I mean, early in the entire game through there. I think of uh, 2013 Mizzou outlasting them in, in overtime in, in the second half of that game. And then 2013 Clemson, a game uh, – you say it again? Wasn't it like two or three overtimes? Yeah, yeah, three over. Yeah, that's right. It was a three overtime game. And then I was at the 2013 Clemson game in person. I the the common theme there. What I'm trying to get to the point I'm getting to, coach, is that being a fan during that time, I was never worried in the fourth quarter of a game that that we were going to be tired or worn out or we were going to get pushed around. Like we were going to do the pushing around to the other team. If anything else, we were going to outlast them. I think a 2014 Georgia. That that was another hell of a game that I was at. Um, you know, beating them late in that game. I, I just, to, again, give you that pat on the back, and I just want to get your, your take and feedback on that. Again, you guys, what you were able to do late in games and winning games in the fourth quarter, because games are won in the fourth quarter, bottom line. Um, like you said, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, it stands out. And again, like you said, you had a great group, group of guys, but obviously what you guys were doing, what you were doing, it was working. So I, I don't know. I say that to say kudos to you. And like I said, I mean, I'm sure it was a mix, again, of what you were doing and the quality, the character, the dudes you had that were putting in the work and bought into the system. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and it's absolutely something that, that we took pride in as a, as a team, as a program. Um, you know, is it, is it all the strength coach? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the, it's the culture. Yeah. Uh, and that was top down from Coach Furrier and, and the players. And, and so um, all that success – uh, we all celebrated that together. Uh, it wasn't, there wasn't, there's never one person that, that, that takes the blame and there's never one person that, that should take credit for the success, especially right. not in a football team. So, yeah, for sure. Like I said, 2011 to 13, you guys won three straight bowl, actually to 14, excuse me. You won, what was it? Four straight bowl games, right? Four straight bowl games, 11, 12, 13 and 14. Cause you beat Miami in 14 out of those, which one, if you had to pick one, what was your favorite, uh, bowl win or bowl memory if you will because those are some great games i remember um the i believe it was 2011 when we played in nebraska the first yeah. time mm-hmm. yep um i remember our guys being so fired up because nebraska's truck was covered covered with titles national titles conference championships you name it and our battle cry in 20, in 20, 2011 was, we want that. It was, it was, you know, F that we, we want that. We're better than that. And, and our guys just, they didn't stop, you know, obviously, you know, the Michigan game was great because of the hit and everybody knows that one. And that was one of the most wild sidelines I've ever been on uh, from a get back slash special teams assignment. It was crazy because it was hot. Uh, it was humid. Uh, our guys were so fired up and so hungry and, and, and they just fought the whole time. I mean, every one of them, every one of them special. And, and to be honest with you, um, you know, everybody discounts that Miami victory. Listen, I, after the first game of the year in 2014, with all the hype, you know, with all those wins leading up to that, you know, we, we, our guys fought so hard in 2014 for those seven wins. They fought so hard. And for them to finish it with a win against a team like Miami, 
in the rain. It was cold. It was miserable. Um, but they didn't flinch. And that's a that's a character win at that point, in my opinion. So um, they're all they're all awesome. Anytime you win, it's great. <laughs> For sure. No, winning cures everything. I, I want to ask you again. We'll move to current day South Carolina football because, again, a guy that you worked with, had experience with, was obviously Gamecocks head coach Shane Beamer. Uh, you were there with him in 09 and 2010. You, you talk about culture a lot. Again, that's what we heard all throughout – the coaching search for South Ghana when, when the Gamecocks were looking for the next head coach, it was culture. And, and I think that, uh, you know, without speaking too much on the previous staff, whatever regime, whatever, what happened, what happened. But I think finding that guy that could reunite everybody and, 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 and bring everyone together in regards to the fan base, the program, the former players. I mean, you've seen, like you said, Pat DeMarco and Alshon Jeffrey, and all these dudes coming out of the Woodworks. Connor Shaw is on staff, which I think was a no brainer, but, uh, really reuniting everyone, bringing everyone together, and bringing that culture back. I'm just curious to hear you speak on that because fans, they hear that word over and over and over again. I think they have – they slightly have an idea, but I think they want a better understanding. When you speak on the culture that you guys had, what specifically are you speaking on? All those guys you just mentioned, they, they're all they're all relentless. And, and listen, there you – Maybe the previous staff said they were relentless too. I don't know. Um, but Coach Beamer, um, he is bringing back people that have been there and done that at this very institution at South Carolina, which is so cool. And, and you know, I've seen more social media posts with him and former players in the last three weeks than I saw in the last four years. And the – for whatever reason, that's just the way it's going. And I think it's easier to get people to buy into your message when they kind of know what it is and they've been there already and they have the same message uh, and, and, and the passion for the program and the passion for the university, because it, it's just, it's, it's awesome, you know? And I, I think, you know, coach Beamer is going to, going to do it his way. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to do it his way, but he's also going to lean on, people that have been there and done it their way too. He's, he's a guy that wants to, to listen and learn from everybody. And that's what makes him a, a great head coach. Yeah. I was going to ask how happy were you just on like from, from a personal level, again, knowing this guy when, when he got the job. No, I was, I was, I was super excited for him and his family. And, you know, we talk, you know, I don't know, maybe every couple months throughout the year, we're, we're both real busy, but mm -hmm. you know, I'll shoot him a text, you know, he's got a big win at, whether it be whether it be Virginia Tech or Georgia or Oklahoma or all the other great places he's been, you know, I shoot him a text. He shoots me one back. It's, you know, he he's a he's a great he's a great guy. We're 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 of close age. You know, early on in my time at South Carolina, we were you know he would work out. I would you know I would write his programs, and he was always in the weight room. And so we have a great relationship. You know, I try to try to have a great relationship with a lot of the former coaches that, that were on staff there. And, and that's kind of, that's, that's an important part of this profession. Uh, but no, I was, I was super excited for him. I think it's uh, I think it was a, the right, the right hire at the right time. It was exactly what South Carolina needed. Yeah, for sure. I think most fans feel the same way. Coach John, I'm curious to get your take again. And you can keep closed door conversations behind closed doors, but obviously your name popped up when it came to, 
the strength coach at South Carolina. And I, we talked off here against Steven Garcia, who we had on the show, was obviously vouching for you pretty hard. Um, obviously, there's a lot of love there. But uh, again, you know, you, you can keep closed door conversations there. But how much, I guess, smoke was there? I mean, was there ever a possibility? Were there ever conversations about you possibly? I've, and again, I know you got a great gig at Arizona State, but were there ever conversations about you possibly coming to Columbia? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things. Number one, um, I'm extremely grateful that the players that were there when I was there would, would say great things about me and what we did, um, whether that be on Twitter or uh, to a coach um, or whatever. And, and that means a lot to me because what happens in, in strength and conditioning a lot of times is when the athletes in the building, in the room, they don't always really realize how much you care and how much you're involved in their development until maybe a few years later. And, and so for me, for, for a lot of those guys um, to, to be able to, to go to bat for something that they cared about, I, I, I couldn't be, couldn't be more proud and, and humbled by that. Um, with that being said, listen, I, I, I love, being at Arizona state. I love Herm Edwards. I love the staff. And, and to be honest with you, we're trying to do what we did at South Carolina right now. Yeah. This is year four. This is our, you know, we've improved each year. We, we have to do something really special here. And for me to leave before we got a chance to accomplish that, I don't think would be fair to the players. And I don't think would be fair to the coaches, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, it was 83 degrees and sunny yesterday. Uh, I, I love Arizona. My, my my wife loves Arizona. I'm looking at Camelback Mountain right outside of the weight room here. Uh, I am I'm very blessed, man, and and I love I love what I do. Like I get to wear a backwards camouflage hat and wear you know shorts to the weight room every day, and I haven't worked a day in my life, man. So um, just to be just to be here is awesome. No, it's awesome stuff. Just on the contrast, it was like 42 here yesterday and raining. So you, you didn't miss a lot. <laughs> um, I, I want to. Humidity. It's yeah, the, the humidity. summer. Yeah, That's, yeah. It'd get you. I, I, I live right on, uh, right on South Pickens, right near yeah, the Dodie. Yeah. I live right there, and my backyard was like a swamp for for five months of the year. So I, uh, it's uh, the dry heat, right? They yeah, say those, those dog days months. of August, man. Those dog days of August will get you. Because I, I, I think back to when you were there in some of the. I remember the 2013 UNC game. I think it was like 105 degrees that day. People were yeah. trying to. I, I, I'll get your take on this. People were trying to say after that game. You probably remember. I, I know you guys block out the noise, but you kind of can't help it. With people were trying to say, "Oh, Jadavion Clowney, he's gassed. Oh, he's gay. He's out of shape." Like. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on, man. Listen, what, like we said before, right? Like you can say that all you want. And if you want to analyze him as a person, as a player, every snap, look at everybody on the field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was the number one recruit out of high school. Okay. He was the number one draft pick in the NFL. And so far he's had a very successful NFL career. Yeah. Yeah. Speaks I don't know itself. what else. You, what, what more do you expect? <laughs> I, I don't. You know what I mean. I, I don't know. So, yeah. um, I, I'll anybody that says that, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not real. Real pleased with that. And I usually let people know very quickly when when I'm not pleased. I, I got. I got JD's back. 
Yeah, Always, those no ESPN guys, man, just stupid. It, it was. I remember just this fan. It was Jesse Palmer. Yeah, that's who it was. Florida boy. Yeah, of course. I, I'll never forget that. <laughs> I told so Jesse. Jesse came in the weight room uh, a year or so later, and I, I, I told him about. I said, "Hey, man, you were you were off base." I said, "What more do you want?" You know, I mean, that was the one where we had the rain delay, right? Yeah, or the lightning delay. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. I mean, we had a two and a half hour delay. Mm. right so a game that's already four hours long yeah with a two and a half hour delay i mean we were we we had i was running i think we ran to subway to get guys food i mean it was like it was crazy i mean you know they listen a lot of times they just need to say something so yeah yeah for sure that's okay people people love to chatter for sure um coach you've been gracious with your time and i'm gonna get you out of here but Last thing before I let you go, when you look back on your South kind of career, again, I, I could ask you favorite memories, and if, if you want to expand on those, you can, because there's so many. But uh, any any funny, like, behind-the-scenes stories? Or, I, I know the weight room isn't necessarily a place of, like, joking or humor. I feel like it's pretty, like, locked-in serious in there. But uh, in, any just anything that stands out from your time at South kind of maybe the common fan wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be familiar with, especially with all the great personalities and the characters on – I mean – you know, South Carolina, as good as they were, there were some characters on those teams for sure. There were some uh, some awesome dudes. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. And it was seven years. I mean, it was almost yeah. – it was damn near a decade. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, so Marvin Lewis is on staff here. Uh, he was our defense coordinator last year. He's, <clears throat> he's, uh, he's still on staff. And he worked for Coach Spurrier with the Redskins. And so, and, and Antonio Pierce, who's on staff here, played for Coach Spurrier with the Redskins. Mm. So even still to this day, we, we, we tell stories. And uh, we'll be in a locker room and, and, you know, Marv will tell a story about the Skins and I'll tell a story about South Carolina. And it's just, he's a legend. He's a legend. He always will be. He, he had, he was awesome. And, and as far as the players go, I mean, there's, there's so many stories. Uh, a lot of them, maybe I'll tell you off air, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, between the quarterback room and, and, you know, some of their shenanigans and, you know, we already talked about Garcia. There's, there's about 50 stories about him <laughs> and his entourage of yeah. Andrew Clifford and Strickland <laughs> and, and those guys Reed McCollum. Uh, just, I mean, it was, uh, it was a blast, man. Every day was every day was something. That's for sure. Just sweating out the alcohol in the weight room. <laughs> so one of the things, like I, I, I have a nose, man. It's not yeah. only is it big, <laughs> but but my ability to smell is is actually quite legendary. And I, I mean, I can legit. I'm like a carnival worker. I can legitimately tell <laughs> how many alcoholic beverages somebody had the night before. If you yeah. had one. I can tell you based on your smell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of times where somebody, some, somebody's smell and somebody's uh, truthfulness wasn't jiving, <laughs> if, if you know what I'm saying. So, right. Um, that's happened plenty of times. So there was a lot of hard conversations that way too. Yeah, for sure. Coach, one, one last thing before I get chatter again, I mentioned Connor Shaw is on staff now, uh, director of football relations, I think, or whatever, whatever the title is, but going to be handling a lot of NCAA recruiting stuff. Also the former player relations, which I think is a fantastic move. Um, talk about Connor real quick, just as a player. And I'm sure he was a guy that led by example in the weight room. And again, for him to be 
still at South Carolina. I'm sure you'd agree that that, that impact he's going to make, it goes, you know, because people, there were some people that wanted him in an on-field role, which, you know, knowing Connor and talking to him, he's a guy, he's a big family guy. I don't think he necessarily wants to quite work those hours that, you know, you know that they put in, but having him involved with the program, his impact, in my opinion, is going to go so far beyond anything he could even do on the field. Just talk about Connor Shaw, the, uh, the football player, the person, and obviously, again, you've seen him as a player and grow into as a man, and now he's on staff at South Carolina. I'm sure it's been awesome for you to watch from afar. I, I, I absolutely adore Connor. I love him as a person, as a man. Um, the, the unbelievably impressive thing about Connor was that from the moment he walked into our facility, he, he had it. He had it like he was super mature, locked in, very organized, uh, developed over the course of his career, uh, tough as nails, played through all those injuries, you know, and he just he was such a great leader, not only by example, but but vocally, too. And, And I remember one time I can't remember what game it was. I, re- I really can't, but I, I was jacked up beyond belief <laughs> pregame. I'm going around, you know, headbutting people and, and flipping tables over and smashing things with sledgehammers and all sorts of crazy shit. And he, he got up and talked to the guys and he literally said, we just got to be under control. We just got to do our job. Like he was just this calming but super consistent, just, just presence. And that's how he played. He was unflappable. It didn't matter what the situation he, he had an answer. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I shot text back and forth with him uh, earlier this week, you know, when the announcement came out and, you know, I'm just so happy he's, he's getting to do what he could do. I mean, he, you know, he could write his ticket to kind of do whatever he wants and, and, you know, he's going to make, such an impact on these young men that just, just by being around, Mm. right. Just by, just because I I think energy is contagious, right. It's, you can feel it. You can feel the transfer without saying anything. And I think Connor, Connor has the ability to do that. He rubs off uh, on everybody. So, you know, that, that, that's something that um, that's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm super excited for him and, for his family and for, for South Carolina. Absolutely. Well, coach, this has been awesome. I, I have to say, uh, obviously we, we talked about a lot of Gamecock legends while you were there, but you're a Gamecock legend in your own right, obviously being, uh, you know, being a part of those staffs and it wouldn't have been possible what the job you guys did behind the scenes. Again, the, the work that people don't see that you guys put in behind the scenes in the weight room and obviously carrying that over to the field. And again, the success you guys had, the unprecedented run doing things that have never been done, had never been accomplished again, you know, going to the SEC East title or going to the SEC title, winning 11 games three years in a row, five-game win streak against Clemson, which I know we didn't even touch on that, but that was a huge part of the success and the run and and beating them. But obviously what you did, again, I I know I speak for all Gamecock Nation when I say thank you for the hard work you put in. And and obviously, again, like you said, proof's in the pudding. It paid off on the field. Obviously, you're doing a great job at Arizona State, and we'll we'll definitely be pulling for you from afar and everything. I know you'll probably be – doing the same for your buddies, uh, old, old Coach Beamer and Connor and the rest of that staff and everything else. So, Coach, I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been a pleasure for sure. No, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks. And, um, you know, I, I wish I wish Gamecock Nation the best, as always. You know, it's 
it was home for me for seven years. And, you know, I, I, if that game's on, I'm watching it. If I got time, I'm, I'm pulling for, I'm pulling for South Carolina. So um, I, I appreciate, I appreciate having me on and appreciate everybody there. Absolutely. He's coach Joe Connolly. I'm Chris Filtz. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time with an episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.